Welcome to the Just Swinging It podcast. Today is a special edition here on Friday before the weekend. We're going to get into hopefully a good debate on charts, technical analysis, position sizing. Hopefully it'll be a really fun chat, but also may stimulate some thoughts that you may have on these subjects and maybe push your ideas on trading. So first of all, I'd like to introduce Mighty Ox. Um, he was on our show a couple uh, episode or a couple weeks ago, and we also have the Canadian futures trader, um, the Mighty Ox. He is a YouTube live streamer uh, for the most part, and the Canadian futures trader. He uploads videos, educational content to his uh, YouTube channel. Also has a website where you can learn about futures trading and his style of trading. How are you doing today, Ox? And then um, how are you doing, Canadian Trader? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm looking forward to this weekend. I don't have a lot to do, so I'm going to get to relax, but uh, always ready for Monday's trading. Uh, same for me. Doing well. Fantastic week. No plans this weekend, which is uh, actually just fine by me. Yeah, it's always nice to have a good break there with everything going on. I know last weekend I had a lot of things around the house I had to do. The weekend before last, I was busy with the work and uh, the band stuff. So this weekend, um, have very little scheduled on my plate. So that is nice. Going into the weekend, get some rest, maybe dive in uh, some good old charts there, if you will. So I guess we're going to uh, start off with it. The first topic that I want to talk about is the position sizing and trading micros versus regular size contracts. So, but before we get into it first, I want to just start with the whole reason we're having this conversation is the Canadian futures trader fired some shots on one of his videos and I was going through, I was, you know, watching his videos like I do normally about halfway through, he started firing some uh, shots on charts and technical analysis and micros and things like that. So we're going to take one, uh, each one by one. We're going to let him start with uh, his views and thoughts on the subject and maybe more of why he thinks the way he does. And then we're going to let the ox uh, come in and, so his two cents on that, and then I'm going to come in uh, afterwards. And then at the end of the show, we'll have uh, anybody that's listening live. That you're more than welcome to throw your hand up. You just press the heart here on Twitter Spaces, and you can throw a hand up. If you have any questions, we'll take those at the end. So to dive right into it, uh, Canadian Futures Trader, let's talk about position sizing and why you hate micros. Well, thank you for the warm welcome. I definitely feel like the underdog here, but that's okay. It's a position I welcome, much like I welcome a full-size contract and not a micro contract. Let me throw a few things out there. First things first, <clears throat> um, if I say anything that offends anyone, don't. Like It's kind of in good fun. Like I just want to make sure that because I'm sure I'll talk like a lot of trash about charts and micros and it will offend like 90% of traders. So just like don't worry about it. Like end of the day, I'm just a guy on the internet who lives in Canada. Like what I say doesn't matter. So I just want to put that out there, but I'll, I'll try to go easy, but defend my points. That said micros. Um, I mean, 
to start off with another shot fired i just feel like it's like the b league like you're, you're just playing in the the micro leagues um anything that works in a mic let's just i'm going to use micro and q as an example i mean i know there's other micros but let's just i mean it applies to all of them um if you're training in micro and q it trades the same as a full size when i say full size i know it's a, a mini but whatever i'm just gonna I've referred to it as a full size, like a, a bigger contract, the the normal NQ. It trades the same. Um, I was thinking about this the last few days in preparation for this, and you know, because of my original game plan was just to come in and and say they're for sissies, and that was kind of my argument. But I was thinking about okay, why do I actually feel that way? Um, part of it is I feel like, and this is legitimately true, I feel like a lot of people kind of have things mixed up. They're using micros as a crutch to trade and not get penalized harshly and i don't think that's a good thing and the reason why is that so compare like say you trade one full size or you know or mini versus one uh, micro you know and you know if you took a loss you would take a 30 dollars loss on the micro and a 300 dollars loss on the full size i i think traders need to, <laughs> to feel that pain of the 300 dollars loss to square themselves away and when I kind of mentioned, I think people have it kind of mixed up, I feel like traders, and maybe this is geared more towards new traders, need to, I'm trying to think of how to say this, they, they need to figure out their strategy first, and if their strategy works, there's no reason they should be trading a micro, go with the full size lot. If you're trading a micro to use it as a crutch because you can handle a $30 loss a lot easier, you're not going to learn anything from taking a $30 loss and another $30 and another $30 loss. You're just you're taking little shots. You're trying to convince yourself that your strategy works because occasionally it'll work or you know whatever, um, and the hits are small. But I just feel like like they're, they're mixing up the game plan here. Like you got to figure out your strategy first. As the strategy works, there's like no reason to not just go. Um, with the full size contract, like if you can't sustain like trading like a one lot of NQ, and I mean, actually, I'm going to take. I know I said we'd focus on NQ. NQ is ridiculous. I mean, that's maybe a debate for later. I don't think anyone should be trading NQ either. If you want to add to my resume of things that I hate, but you know, I mean, this, the swings are wild. I think it's stupid the 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 banter that goes on and the story people paint around like a chart like oh there's resistance here and uh seller short sellers are trapped and blah, blah 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 like you're telling yourself a story based on what you're seeing on the chart sometimes it'll hold true sometimes it won't like the market can only go two ways up or down like you're going to be right 50 percent of the time just out of dumb luck um but to bring it back to micros figure out your game plan and then i'm going to wrap up and let you guys reply um figure out your game plan go in hard with a full like a mini contract um if you want to do it at NQ, like be my guest. That's your problem, not mine. And um, and if you take a few three hundred dollar hits, and I'm using three hundred again as just an example, um, good. Like I think that's good for you because you'll figure out a lot faster that your strategy sucks if you're taking those kind of shots versus like a little thirty dollar hit there and a thirty dollar hit there. So that is the start to my argument. Well, first of all. Let me start off that I think that the the whole micro conversation do need, does need to be split off between prop firm trading and opening your own brokerage account because micros can be an avenue to starting based on just margin requirements versus the, the main size contract. Like 
over at AMP Futures, the margin requirement for NQ, uh, micro NQ is only 100 bucks versus $1,000 for the main contract. For ES, it's 40 versus 400. So I think micros provide a way for those that aren't taking the prop firm, the prop firm way of doing things and lets them get into and feel real trading versus just sim trading where the emotions aren't the same. I think so. I think micros there is definitely an advantage for those that don't want to do the prop firm path and trying to get funded. And I think that's what the CME felt when they started bringing out these micro contracts and why they keep trying to bring out more is it allows more retail people who might only have a few dollars or I shouldn't say a few dollars, but don't have the, the major amounts of money that sometimes require for margin to be able to start, you know, trading on a day trading basis. As for MN is does MNQ and NQ trade the same? Yes. But, okay, so you say about taking the, you know, needing to take that hit, that $300 punishment. I can see that argument, but that taking those hits doesn't necessarily, you know, taking those hits doesn't necessarily mean your strategy sucks. Um, you know, I'm running an algo this week. You know, it's taken three or four losses in a row, but it's up $12,000 for the week. So does that mean the strategy sucks because it took four losses in a row? And on some of these tighter, uh, you know, smaller prop firm accounts, you know, taking two, two NQ or even two e decent sized ES trades can put you in a big hole if you're taking the big loss. You know, you set a two-point stop on ES if you don't want to trade NQ. Two-point stop on ES to give it enough room to breathe. Hundred dollars. That's a hundred dollars a pop. You lose three in a row. You've lost three hundred bucks. It doesn't mean your strategy sucks. It just means maybe it's not working at that particular time. You know, no strategy is a hundred percent. Most win rates are, uh, you know, I don't forty to seventy percent. I mean, like I said, that algo I'm running, forty-six percent win rate this 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 week. So I think micros are valuable to those that want to start trading small account or prop firm account and they want to start getting their feet wet. I will say this, I trade micros a lot less now than I did um, when I first started. I, I do in a way agree with CFT about they do trade the same for the most part. And I know I would, you know, every time I'll take a win on, you know, and I mean, I'll be like, oh my God, this could have been five times if I had taken a regular size contract or 10 times. But just like that, you know, I'm running my algo on an earned trade account. It made $441 today on three micros. But my drawdown, and because I, when I was manually trading it, I messed up and my drawdown was real close. So it couldn't take two losses in a row on a regular size contract. But I could take chance letting it run even when I wasn't watching it. I let it run while asleep uh, and knowing that it wasn't going to blow the account with three micros, unless, I mean, it had to like, like take 10 losses in a row, which it hadn't done all week, so I knew it wasn't gonna do that. Or I figured it wasn't gonna do that. But it did take two losses in a row at one point, and at that point, it would have blew, blew that earned trade account, and I would be resetting. So it, there is a situation. I think micros are a good way to start. If people are really risk adverse, it can help them 
instill confidence. I do feel that for most people, it should be a sort of for like a step in the process. Like if you find a, a strategy that's working good and constantly working for MNQ, then you should start taking the plunge and try to move up to the regular account because you are just costing yourself money. I will agree with that. But if that's going to also make your, psycho you know, your psychology change where you're going to be more jumpy and, or more averse to taking a trade and you can make $500 a day on micros, you can make $500 a day on NQ micros. If that, you know, you're comfortable with that or even $200, you know, then, you know, be comfortable with that. You know, it all depends on what your goals are. You know, if you pick up a 150K account or 300K account in one of these prop firms, it's going to take you for most likely take you forever to pass that with micro. But if your, your goal is just, you know, to slowly grind to a 550K account and, you know, you're just worried about, you know, getting some extra money out of trading, hundred dollars a day, $200 a day, then micros is really all you need. You know, why put on the bigger risk? But that's my, my thoughts there. Yeah, very good points uh, from both sides. To throw in a, a few things that I pointed out there is I do think there is a difference, like the Mighty Ox pointed to, is if you're trading real money versus like a prop account. In the, in the, in the real account, if you do have limited funds, then trading some of the bigger ones would be out of question. And also, you kind of want to trade smaller when you're first starting out because you just don't want to lose money for the sake of losing money. And you can still figure out if a strategy works on micros, and then you can scale up later on if you want to. But as far as the prop firm accounts go, if you're in a bigger size account that has enough uh, funding in it, to take on the, the the bigger size, then you can definitely do so. Um, but as CFT said, it is like trading in the in the B League or D League or if you or G League if you're following um, the different uh, semi-pro basketball leagues or something like that. It is kind of like a. Um, I guess a minor league kind of thing, if you want to throw in some baseball references there as well, in, in the sense of, you know, you're doing very smaller amounts of uh, winning and, and, and losing on the account sizes there. The one thing I wanted to, to point out in addition to that is the position sizing you take also depends on the edge that you have in a market. So for example, and this is an extreme example, but just kind of bear with me here. If you have a um, a strategy that has a 99% win rate with, say, one-to-one -one odds, and you risk 100% of your portfolio, after enough occurrences of trading that strategy, eventually you're going to lose everything because that 1% eventually will happen. The law, the law of... Uh, large numbers will occur, that 1% will happen, and you will blow your account up because you've lost everything. Now, that's an extreme example, but that still works from everything from a 5% probability with a 16 to 1. Um, I, I'm not uh, spitting out specific numbers here, but that's th that works with any type of odds and any type of probabilities. There's a point to where 
the position sizing can make your strategy a losing strategy. So you can have a winning strategy and at some point the position sizing can be too big and make that winning strategy a losing strategy. So knowing what your strategy is and having a back test is a big proponent of what I talk about all the time is having some kind of historical context that you can know what your edge is or what it has been historically. So you can kind of figure out your position sizing because you do not want to go over that position sizing because that can blow your account up, whether that's a prop account or it's an actual money account. So if you have a strategy that has a smaller edge, Micros can still be something that you want to trade just because you don't have a big enough edge to take on the bigger position sizing. And all these things just account for how much money is in your account, how much drawdown you have available um, after margin. So you have to have that if we're talking about futures day trading, which is primarily what we're talking about here. If you have um, a certain amount of money for margin and then you have the rest of the money is for drawdown that you can actually hold onto those positions with, then it depends on how much money you have that will depend on what size contract you can trade and then also your edge in the market as well and there's a few formulas out there to calculate max position sizing which we don't have to get into today um but i will say that uh nq is very sporadic in a way of it's very jittery it moves up and down it doesn't trend as clean as some other products that's out there it's not saying that you can't trade nq and make money with it the mighty ox has done well with nq it's just saying that nq is most likely a harder product for a lot of people to trade especially with it bouncing around in these wild swings uh, very often and and with you having to give it room to breathe like the ox was saying those stop losses and take profits might be very wide and that may be too wide for you in the regular nq contract versus in the mnq so that's kind of my thoughts. I will go back to the Canadian futures trader and let him respond, and and then and then Mariachi can respond, and then I will again. But I want everyone to give their argument and then also have a chance to respond. So back to you, Canadian futures uh, trader. What do you think about what Ox and I have stated here so far? I don't like it one bit. No, I'm kidding. Um, the um. I wrote some notes down because I would forget to address all your stuff. You both made very fair points. I wanted to go through a few of them that stand out um, as I read my notes here. Uh, I agree. So one thing, you know, you both said, I mean, it really, I mean, the first thing Ox said out of the gate was you have to kind of differentiate between a trading evaluation and a real account. And I will say, I mean, a lot of this comes from my perspective and I sometimes forget, you know, I've been trading my own personal account quite a bit lately. Um, even though like my audience, if you will, through YouTube and my site is mainly newer you traders and they're signing up with trader valuations and I still have my trader valuation accounts, but like I'm on the funded side. So it's like going through the evaluation um, isn't something I go through, you know, day to day. So I, I forget that perspective sometimes. So I can uh, completely accept the perspective that, yeah, like on a, like say you're trading a 25 K or what 50 K, whatever um, you want to trade micros cause you don't want to blow it up. I get it, you know? Um, but yeah, like you go the other extreme, 300K, like good luck passing that trading a micro. Like you, you'll 
pay like two years worth of evaluation fees before you pass that thing. So there's like a there's a sliding scale, I guess, or a transition where you have to go bigger. And that's the other kind of maybe disconnect between me is like I always go big, right? I trade the 300k is like. Um, and I trade a completely different product. So, I mean, if any, if there's anything to be gained out of this conversation, it's that CFTs in his own weird little universe and is disconnected from the population. But a, a kid a little bit. But let's continue. Um, I want to comment on NQ, but I want to save that for last. Uh, let me see here. So, micros, Ox kind of mentioned about the margins and stuff. Like, if you're in a real account. Um, like yeah, margins for NQ with AMP or with Ninja Trade Brokerage are like a hundred bucks. Uh, margins for like ES fifty bucks. Like literally, you could open an account with uh, Ninja Trade Brokerage for I think it's two hundred and fifty bucks, and you could trade your heart out on a few lots of micro ES. Um, I think it's good and I think it's bad. I think it's good because yes, it gives people the opportunity to get in and test things out and, and see how it works. And like at worst, you blow your account up, you're out 250 bucks, like not the end of the world, probably hopefully not the end of the world for you. If it is the end of the world, you shouldn't have been in that position to start with. Um, but as well, I would say it almost draws in people who maybe shouldn't have been trading to start. Like it makes it almost the barrier to entry to futures trading has dropped so much. And I am very much torn between the low deposits for a real account and or the trader valuations. Obviously, I'm a fan, but I the more I interact over the years with newer traders, like I really get the impression like a lot of people are in it for the wrong reasons. They don't love futures trading. They see it as a as a method to get rich or to get themselves out of a financial situation. And that's just like the wrong motives. And I mean, I'll just leave that there. I could go off on that. So, I mean, that's where the micros, I think I get a little bit iffy on just because I'm like, you're like basically letting anyone in to the party. And like a lot of those people shouldn't be in the party. So, um, and not because like it's ex an exclusive club. It's just like, it's, it's too easy for people to blow them up. They're basically gambling, like put it that way. Like people can jump in, start gambling, lose their money. And then, like gambling, you know, some people have a problem with gambling and they start throwing away their money. So, all right, that aside, um, Ox mentioned the strategy. He said it took four losses in a row. Um, that doesn't mean it stuck. And I 100% agree. Um, yeah, no, I know. I've been screwing around. I mentioned this a few weeks ago with algos, also, not as much as you, for sure, John or uh, Ox, but I've just been screwing around with it, backtesting different ideas and thoughts and stuff. And yeah, like I know, like some of these take like huge hits, like like 20 losses in a row and then like a big win and that's great um so i wouldn't say like if anything like i know ox's algo is coming along nicely um and you do make a good point like four losses in a row trading like a full-size contract a mini contract um would blow up a trader valuation and maybe a personal account as well if you don't have enough like in there for margin and for buffer so I get that. I succeed on that. Like you've you've got got a good point. Um, there is okay, and then Ox. It's funny. I started writing down notes before Ox said this, but we're actually on 100 on the same page. Me and Ox on this point, um, and then I only have one other point to make. Um, no one's aspirations like should be to trade micros for the rest of their lives, and. I guess that's where I picture some of the micro traders too. Like they want to scale up their micros position to continue with the various analogies. And I'm going to switch it over to poker because trading is uh, a lot of times kind of paralleled with poker. Um, 
if you're familiar with poker, you know, this will make sense. If you're not, just hang with me here. Um, it's trade micros is like trading or like playing one, two poker, like one, two blind poker for the rest of your lives. Like there's a cap on how much you will ever succeed at poker. You're playing with the DJs, you're playing low level shit. Like you're never going to like make a million bucks and not, I mean, everybody's goal isn't to make a million bucks, but I think it's fair to say at the end of the day, people's goals in futures trading is to make an income, at least a fair income. If you're trading micros, like just, there has to be a point where you transition up. You have to have goals bigger than trading a few micro lots. Um, and I hope everybody has that plan, but again, I don't get the sense that everybody does have that plan. So that's why I kind of get a little bit like squirrely about it. Um, so as long as people like, look, if you want to use micros to get it, you really want to trade micro or sorry, you really want to trade futures. Um, you don't have a ton of capital. You want to go either trader valuation route or open your own account for 250 or $500 deposit, whatever it is, trade some micros. Yeah, you're not going to get burned too bad. You can take those $30 hits. Um, I mean, $30 hit on a $500 account is actually a pretty big percentage. Uh, but you know, you can you can feel your way in as long as people's motives are on the right page, I guess. And again, it's not like I'm going to change anyone's opinion. You know what? If someone is going to jump in and gamble on micros, they're going to do it anyways. Um, last point you mentioned NQ. Yeah, I really like, and this is a different topic and like, it's up to you if you want to go into this road or not, but I really feel like NQ and ES are kind of like the, the main avenues people go into for trading. And if they're new to trading, that's almost what they're drawn to. It's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy, not the best analogy, but like, it's like so many people trade NQ and ES that a new trader comes to the market. He's like, Hey, what do people trade? Oh, they trade NQ and ES. I'm going to trade NQ and ES. It's like, that isn't necessarily the best product for a new trader to trade. If anything, I would say NQ is probably one of the worst products for somebody to trade. It should be in a slow moving product where they can really feel it out. Something they are uh, drawn to one thing. And again, I'm like going off on a tangent here. One thing that I really feel like is missing in the trader community is people are in there to talk a lot of shop, talk, talk a lot of game, but they, at the end of the day, don't know what the hell they're talking about. They want to throw out terms they heard. Um, and you know what, they're going to be right 50% of the time, just cause it can go up or down. Um, like it's funny because I think about it sometimes. Like there's been a sudden influx into people trading ultra bond. I would love for someone to explain to me what the ultra bond is. I bet most people have no fucking idea what it is. Like they know it's a treasury product, but they don't even know what the ultra bond actually is. Like as a contract, and I think it's important to know that stuff. Like yeah, trading order flow does it matter? No, but I. I think if it's the long-term goal, you should actually understand the market you're trading and what the dynamics are and what the important events are that come along. And I feel like that's 100% lost on a lot of traders. Um, and so just to bring it back to NQ, and then I'm going to turn it over to you, uh, Ox. Um, I think NQ is 100% the wrong instrument for a new trader to be trading. And unfortunately, it's like kind of the shining star out there that everybody's drawn to. Um, I think it's ridiculous. We'll get to this when we talk about charts. I, I like 90% of what I see people talking about and their indicators of stuff, I think are bogus. Um, I just like, you're painting a picture for something that isn't actually there. Like it's easy to kind of retrospectively paint a picture for what happened and then pretend like, you know, what's going to happen in the future. Um, but anyways, that's, I'm going to leave it at that. Um, yeah, I will leave it at that and let Ox take the floor. 
Uh, just give me one sec. I need to close out a position. It's running into an iceberg. Oh, no, kidding. Um, first of all, I 100% agree with you about NQ and newer traders. No newer trader should ever trade NQ. I didn't gravitate toward NQ until after I had been exposed to futures for probably nine months, I would say. Because, you know, it's a progression, in my opinion. At first, I thought ES was too fast. I, you know, and then... ES started leveling out, and I started looking at NQ, and NQ seemed too fast. And now, you know, now I like NQ more than ES, but it's a progression I would never, ever suggest anyone starts with NQ because it is hard to trade, I will admit that. But when I look at an NQ chart versus an ES chart versus a YM chart, you know, there is a little bit more fluctuation in NQ, but for the most part, they're, they're, they're correlated. So I believe once you get used to the movements, you can almost trade any of the four equity indexes because they, they're usually, not always, but they're almost always moving in unison with one another. So that's why I ended up gravitating toward NQ, but I do also trade YM at times because I'll go to YM if I want to try and do multiple contracts versus one contract on NQ. One more point I wanted to bring up about micros that kind of uh, actually goes in favor of CFT's thought. I don't think if you're if you switch to uh, switch to minis that you should keep switching back and forth unless you absolutely need to. Like if your counts like close to drawdown and you need to try and dig out or whatever, because I do think trading micros can get you in the bad habits if you're used to trading the bigger numbers because i know sometimes i'll switch to a micro and i'll be like well it's up 20 bucks who cares if it goes back to zero when that'll be 200 dollars on a regular contract if you're going to trade micros and you need to trade it just the same way you were as that mini or else you're just going to fall into some bad habits and not and if you're not trading it like you normally trade your normal plan then you know it, you're defeating your purpose anyway but seeing that little number when you're used to the bigger numbers you can get yourself in trouble you know ah just twenty dollars who cares just thirty dollars who cares well that you know then you're you're just not trading it the right way so but and as for the whole reference about minor leagues and all that well i mean i think that's actually a, a point in favor of me trading the B-Leagues, trading whatever, trading minor leagues. I mean, very few sports stars, you know, in, in like baseball, ever skip the minor leagues. They work their way up to the major leagues. So, you know, using, you know, micros, if you're going to use it right to practice, especially if you want to do the whole scaling in and scaling out, there's no way you can practice scaling in and scaling out with like five regular NQ contracts, but you can with micros. So I think that's pretty, oh yeah. And on your uh, thoughts about people getting into the futures area that maybe shouldn't be there. You know, I think that whole door opened up back when the trading in general, when Robinhood first came out, you know, commissions went away and, trade you know there i think the, whether or not there there's easy ways to get in i think the gamblers and stuff are always gonna i mean we've heard of people 
losing everything on day trading 20 years ago when commissions were wild and it wasn't easy to get in. I don't, I, you know, I think people are always going to get in that shouldn't, and they're going to blow themselves out, but this allows some people, even like me, who would have never had the money to get in normally, like back in the day, now allows me to get in and try and make this a career for myself when I wouldn't have had that entry just a few years ago. So I think that's, I think I covered everything there. Yeah, great points from both of you guys there. Um, I don't think I have very much uh, to talk about left on the, on the, uh, micros debate. Yeah, I guess we can move on to the charts and technical analysis, indicators, the whole nine yards. This will be really interesting. So we'll just go straight to the Canadian futures trader and let him lay out his argument and his stance on charts, indicators, technical analysis, and and then we'll get into it and we'll just keep going around like we have been. So go ahead, Canadian futures trader. All right. Well, um, actually, quickly, quickly, I just want to address things Ox said. I know we want to move on, but um, he 100% agree. Like, if you can trade ES, you can trade NQ. Like, they're correlated. I mean, give or take. Um, yeah, if you're cool with the faster moving product and you adjust whatever strategy you have for the fact that NQ is going to move more violently, so be it. So I agree 100% on that. Um, the um, and as far as, yeah, you're right. Uh, you were talking too about just the P&L thing. That's one thing I haven't, I don't, I don't talk a lot about it in like my videos and stuff. I've mentioned it before, but, and I show my P&L on the screen. Like if people are watching my videos and they're seeing Jigsaw, they're seeing like per tick, oh, you know, mop, whatever, like hundred bucks, 300, it doesn't matter. I, I normally wouldn't want to do that. And one thing I encourage people to do, if you can do this, and I know it's tough um, if you're new to trading, I know it's tough if you're in an evaluation because you need to know where you do stand P&L wise. But if you can eventually work yourself to not looking at your P&L at all, um, that is a good place to be because it's one thing that I heard suggested to me um, years ago and it seemed ludicrous and I tried it and it felt very unnatural and kind of scary. It's like you're up three ticks on seven lots. Okay. Like what the hell, like, what is that money wise? It doesn't matter like that. I mean, that's the point is you need to get away from trading your P and L and just trading the tick size, trading your strategy, you know, uh, you know, et cetera. And that's kind of what Ox has alluded to as far as like training micros and minis. And like, yeah, if you're looking at a dollar number and like you're used to training micros and now you've moved up to the mini and you're like, Oh crap, like, hold it. Like it used to be a $30 loss. Now it's a $300 loss. Like, and you, you don't feel comfortable with that. But your strategy is the exact same. Like you need to need to work through that. So that's I encourage people to, if they can, get away from trading their PL. So um, that aside, and then Ox as well. Third point. Sorry, then I'll move on to the charts. And I feel like I'm going to take a lot of hits on this one. But um, you're you're right. I mean, Robinhood, Weeble, all that stuff. I mean, the gamblers are out there, regardless of futures market. I mean, if anything, the gamblers are 90% in the equities markets, and you know, trading on Robinhood for no commissions and yoloing and all that stuff. So. Um, um, you know what? So be it. If some of them want to make their way to the futures market, I mean, at least they're a cut above the rest. So um, let them let them do what they will. Everybody's free country. Everybody can do what they want. Getting to charts. Um, 
it's no secret I trade off the depth of market. I made an analogy a week or two ago, and I'm pretty proud of it, and I do stand by it. I feel like looking at the depth of market is really like looking through a microscope and seeing the actual, like the actual, like trade, like it's as close to being on the floor as you could be. Like it, you're seeing the transactions back and forth. When you're looking at a chart, you're just seeing like a line that represents what the current price is and where it's been in the last minute and blah, 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 and all that stuff. Um, I'm, I'm not even talking about indicators yet, which I have a complete problem with as well, but charts versus the depth of market. I will take a step back and say, look, um, the depth of market isn't going to work for all products. And again, I'm out in my own little universe. I'm not saying it's like, like some premier universe. I'm just saying I'm in my own little world. That's weird. Okay. Um, like trading NQ on a depth of market is a fool's errand. Like you're not going to get anywhere doing that. Like I'm not recommending people who trade NQ go sign up for jigsaw and try to trade NQ off the depth of market. Like the entire point of trading off the depth of market is lost. So I am in like this weird niche where it works well for slow moving products products with a lot of depth on the order book, um, like the treasuries, go figure, or um, agriculture products, to a degree ES, to a degree um, crude oil, but eh, starting to enter like a gray area. Like I've looked at both those. Like I started out trading crude oil, so I'm, I'm more familiar with that than ES, but I've looked at an ES DOM. <sighs> not sure there's any value there or not. But anyways, um, when it comes to charts, why I have a problem is you really, really, really are looking at the past, and this is a common argument that you know depth market traders will use, ladder traders. Um, you're looking at the past and trying to make predictions based on the future, and then on top of that, you're throwing indicators on top of it, which are supposedly kind of aiding you um, to like give you some ideas on like, oh, this trend is going up, the EMA is going up, or RSI is down, you know, it's oversold, blah, 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 blah. Um, there's 20 million indicators out there, and I feel like there's 20 million indicators because like none of them work well. Um, I don't even know where to go with this. I just have like such a fundamental problem with it. Like, I don't, okay, I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to even going to call them out by name. Person, um, chef from the Earn a Trade Discord, and uh, UB is the way break my heart i mentioned in my last video they mentioned how these people not so much chef but ub is the way you're trading ultra bond off the depth of market and they mentioned how they bring up a chart too because they want to know what happened an hour ago good grief nobody cared like it does not matter i want people to envision a trading floor like people sitting there trading like size like moving contracts like I don't care like what the price was an hour ago. It matters what's happening now, like in the now. And I mean, again, this is very like, I'm speaking treasuries. I know this isn't going to apply to NQ and don't worry, I'm going to wrap this up soon. Um, or ES and all that stuff. But it just like doesn't matter. And again, I bring it back to the microscope thing. You can see the transactional level of what is happening on the depth of market. Um, you know, buyers sellers. I can see when the buyers are like pushing, even if it stalls for like just a split second. I feel like a chart trader will look at that and go, "Oh, it's reached the, it's crossing the the second band of the Bollinger Band." Blah, like blah, blah blah. But it matters what's actually happening. Like what is actually trading um, is why I'm so hell bent on the depth of market, and I'm gonna. 
I'm going to use one more example, and then I promise I will turn this over to Ox. Um, and by no means, I'm using an example which involves Ox, but in no means am I throwing Ox under the bus. I just want to use an example that actually was kind of crystal clear. This few weeks ago, um, I was watching Ox's stream. He was trading the Ultra Bond, and the price he was up a few ticks. Um, so you know, good, like made some money on the Ultra Bond, but you weren't out of the position yet. And it, I, and again, my my memory is a little vague, so. You know, forgive me if I'm kind of painting this in my favor, but um, it had kind of reached whatever band and or your 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 uh, profit target. It reached your profit target, so you're out of the position. At that exact moment, I was still like I was trading the ultra bond as well, and I was looking at the order flow, and it was actually an interesting exercise to kind of see it live. Like look at Ox and his charts, and look at me and my depth of market. He's out of his position because it reached a profit target. I'm looking at this thing and I'm just like, no, like this is going to continue to run. Like I can look at the order flow. I can see the buyers are just pounding on the sellers. Like they're going to push this like up, up, up. And, and they did. And I'm not like, I'm obviously cherry picking an example that works well for me, but it really was an interesting, it doesn't matter who was right, who was wrong. It was just, an, it was very interesting to see that, like how a chart trader handles, like what they're seeing versus like what I was seeing on the depth of market. So that's kind of my argument. Again, I just want to conclude by taking it down a notch and saying, look, the stuff works for deep order books. You have to like that stuff. Like I know looking at a price ladder, isn't that exciting? Um, all those things. But I think, and I, I will turn this over in a sec, but um, charts never spoke to me. Like I tried chart trading, like every new trader. When I started trading futures, I went the chart route. I went the indicator route. And like from the start, I was like, this doesn't make sense because people are saying like, oh, when this you know EMA crosses this EMA, you go long. Okay, um, it worked this time, but it didn't work the next time. And then it worked and then it didn't work. And it's like, okay, this just seems completely haphazard. Um, I remember watching a YouTube video where a guy was pointing out like a lot, it was whatever it was, I don't know, a day long chart, like a hourly chart, whatever it was. And um, pointing out all the, times that their indicator worked but like very clearly on the chart was like all the times it didn't work so i was like this is ridiculous like they just cherry pick what works and say it works and this is great and then go from there um in luckily for me again i'm out in my own little weird world i stumbled on all the stuff we've talked about before john grady jigsaw all that stuff 100 like makes more sense to me speaks to me works for me um so I'm glad I found that route. I know it's not for everybody, but I do think that a lot of charting and indicators are painting a picture of what happened in the past and saying this is going to like XYZ is going to happen in the future. And I don't think that's true. And I will leave you with this thought beyond all of what I just said. Um, I have additional problems with people, yeah, like um, kind of armchair co or, uh, commentating on the market. Like everybody wants to talk about resistance zones and short sellers are, are trapped and blah, blah, blah. I think a lot of that is nonsense too, but maybe that's for our third discussion. All of that said, Ox, go at it. Well, let's see. First of all, I mean, let me just pick apart your argument there for one second. You're saying that the DOM would not work for NQ and ES or or faster moving stuff, but it works for slower moving. But then if the DOM's not going to work for the NQ, that means you've got to rely on charts. So why wouldn't the same thing that's working for charts on NQ also work on the treasuries? 
so charts do have to work if it because obviously there's successful ways to trade in Q or ES or whatever without the DOM. Here's the thing. I do partially agree with your argument on indicators and um, indicators and technical analysis and all that. But here, my thought is this, you know, like, you know, where you hate indicators, for the most part, I hate patterns. Like I never look for the whole head and shoulders. I never look for these other weird patterns that people come up with. I always think they're weird, but what a lot of these indicators are now, in my opinion, is they're self-fulfilling prophecies. There's so many algos now that start looking for these crosses, these whatever, plus retail traders doing the same thing, that when they happen, they work a lot of times just because they are happening, not because of any of just you, people, people expect it to happen, so they enter that way, or, and the algos are set up to enter that way, or whatever, that it starts driving the market that way. So that's why I think, you know, obviously there's 10,000 different indicators now, like you said. I do think there's some value in the original core, let's say core group of indicators before everyone started trying to figure out ways of making indicators have indicators with indicators. And, you know, I see some of these charts that do have like 30 or, you know, maybe that's a little exaggeration, but like 10, 10 different indicators. And I'm like, I don't even know how you process all that information fast enough to correctly enter an order. You know, this strategy that I'm working on now, that the algo is working on, is based on a 20 EMA. It's one, uh, you know, 90% 20 EMA cross and, and changing of and changing of the slope of the EMA. That's it. And it seems to work. Why does it work? I don't know. But I've back tested it. I've looked on a, you know, I've looked on a monthly and yearly charts, and it works there, back, and, you know, whatever. It's really simple. You know, I, I've tried looking at the DOM, and I haven't gone in deep to your courses or anything, but I remember the one time I was trying to look at a DOM, you know, it was in gold. And I saw this hunk of, chunk of orders down about 10, you know, 10 down. I'm like, well, that's my support. It's down to one or two ticks away and just burst through. And I'm like, where's those orders go? And I'm like, that was supposed to be my support, and it went away. So I'm like, well, if I can't trust those orders being there, then I can't, you know, whatever. So that's kind of where I gave up on the DOM. That was also a Ninja Trader DOM, so I know that Ninja Trader's DOM isn't that great, but still. It just, it's like, I've tried to watch DOMs in the past, and it just doesn't call to me. So, I mean... Yeah, you're looking at the past, but the past, we can also, you know, as a species, we learn a lot from the past. If we don't watch what the past is doing, you know, and learn from it, then we're clueless going into the future. And do I think, you know, about the short sellers being trapped and all that? I agree with you there. I think that started becoming popular, that whole phrase and whole thought when we had that whole short squeeze with going on with AMC and GME. And then everything you hear, every time you, know, you see a big move up, you know, shorts are trapped, so on and so forth. 
I think that's, you know, overdone. I don't understand the whole iceberg thing myself. But I do think some indicators can work. No, nothing's going to work 100% of the time. But I think you can find an indicator that works for you and find the way it works. I mean, this, this strategy I'm using, you know, I didn't pick it up from somebody. I didn't, uh, I didn't, you know, learn it from anywhere. I just started noticing the pattern as I was looking at my old strategy. And I'm like, wait a minute. Every time this happens, or not every time, but a lot of times when this happens, this works. And I'm like, so I started back testing it. I started charting it out. And I'm like, yeah, this is this is good. So, you know, I, I think that charts have value because you, know, you said something earlier about how things can only go up and down. Well, there are... That's true, and but there are the market does move in these waves, and it gives indications, at least from what I've noticed, to how, you know, how it goes, and nothing's 100%. Like I said, that algo that's up 12k this week has less than a 50% win rate, but if you can find a pattern, or I don't like to use the word pattern, but if you can find a strategy, that's the word I'm looking for, that works based on an indicator, then you just, then, then the goal is to find the right risk to reward to figure out when the pattern or when the strategy doesn't work, how you can still stay profitable. So I also think, and a uh, question for you, CFT, when you get the mic back, do you think you would understand the DOM and the price action you see now as much as if you hadn't originally at least seen charts and how price action kind of plays out in the form of the candles because to me just looking at the numbers isn't really visual and a lot of people are more visual than just looking at a bunch of numbers and I know even if I could get learn DOM trading I think Seeing how the candles form, seeing how things move, it would make more sense to me than seeing those numbers and what's happening if I'm just staring at the numbers. And, you know, that trade that you were talking about, I do, do agree, I did get out quick. Um, unfortunately, I mean, that would be true probably though, whether I was on the DOM or on the chart or whatever, just because. I'm just so quickly to try and secure profits and not let something go back. That's more my psychology than whether I was reading a chart or a DOM. So if I had like two contracts on there, I probably would have left one run, but because I didn't, I just grabbed my profit to move on to the next trade. But yeah, I do, I mean, there's value in charts, in my opinion. Um, I think people, like I do agree with you, people overanalyze and over over indicator find something simple not like 20 different things that that can work because i think you know more indicators i think you're probably missing more trades trying to figure out especially you know like one indicator is telling you one thing and the other indicator is telling you the exact opposite you know that that's just, just confusing you just kind of sit there trying to figure out what to do while the market 
goes without you. But um, yeah, I think that's. Uh, I think that I covered everything there. Yeah. So the first thing I want to say, and I don't want to move backwards too much, but liquidity is such an important part of trading, and thankfully in the futures market, a lot of the main products are very liquid. So we don't have to worry about um, illiquid markets very much, but they're still exist. And especially some of the micros might not be as liquid and the bid ask spread might be pretty wide and that can allow slippage. So something to look out for there. But moving on to um, the charts and different setups. So the first thing in favor of indicators is the consistency of indicator setup. So if you are trading an indicator setup, you're going to be more consistent versus off of discretionary traders. Discretionary traders have to battle a lot of uh, inter-conflict or emotions and psychology. And that if they're having a bad day personally, that could affect their trading decisions versus indicators can be more black and white. Uh, on the disadvantage of that, as you guys have talked about, is indicators is what a lot of people use and a lot of people are not um, profitable traders. But I think the profitability has to do with posi over position sizing, like we had talked about before, more than it has to do with maybe their setups. And it does depend on your edge versus the position sizing that you take. But when we look at a trading strategy that we're going to trade, one of the things is to even have the confidence to trade it. If you're testing a strategy, as you're testing, even if you're testing like on real-time data going forward, but you're not, maybe you're not using real money or you're in a SIM account or something, or maybe you're using real money, but just trading smaller, all you have is your historical performance to go off of or your theoretical performance to go off of if you backtest something just based on historical data that you have. So we're all really depending on the past information to make decisions on the future at some level. Uh, in addition to that, we also probably overlay that with trading principles, but we're still using the past to some extent to define our strategies and to also come up with different strategies because you have to have some kind of context in order to put the risk up for those trades. So that's something I would say there. And also people that use a lot of indicators in their trading setups and strategies most likely will fail. And the reason for this, there's actually a lot of math that supports using a lot of inputs or variables in any kind of modeling or trading setups is that the more variables you have in a trading uh, strategy, the more likely it is that you've overfit historical data and that it's only worked during that period of time and that you fit to the specific movements of the market or whatever your model's trying to do, regardless if it's trading or not. So simpler strategies actually do perform and are more robust than uh, complex strategies, especially since we use the past so much in our decision making. And 
and in our modeling and in in our trading strategies is that if you have a complex strategy and you're waiting for the suns and the planets to align is very specific to that point in time in the past and most likely not going to happen exactly that way in the future because you're very your tailor it's like a suit if you get a special made suit that fits your body today there's a chance that it won't specifically fit your body in the future. Uh, if you gain weight or lose weight, or maybe you shrink a little bit as you get older, or there's a lot of different factors that may come into play. So if you have a tailor-made suit that fits you perfectly today, it doesn't mean that it's robust enough to fit you in the, in the future. So these complex strategies with a lot of different indicators, or even if it isn't indicators and it's on charts, complicated strategies, most of them do not work in the long term and they are only overfit to the data of the past. So simpler strategies are m more likely to succeed in the future if you're doing backtesting or testing a strategy out in real time and you're collecting data to kind of see what your strategy could perform like in the future. Uh, so that's a very good thing to uh, take into consideration is Keep it simple, stupid. So we'll leave that um, at that comment. Um, the other thing is um, Ox was talking about his algo having a low percent win rate. So the the low percent um, win rate in you know Canadian futures trader said if you have a uh, strategy, okay, it worked these handful of times and it doesn't work these handful of times, that doesn't necessarily mean you have a bad strategy. Now, the win rate may be low um, and not everyone's going to have a super high win rate. Typically, and this isn't, this isn't absolute, but typically, um, if you have a small win rate, then you're going to have lower volatility and your winners would be bigger than your losers in a profitable strategy. If you have a high win rate, typically, not all the time, but typically you'll have more volatility with uh, less um, of a risk to reward profile. That's typically the trade-off. And so with these prop accounts or even any account, you're limited to, to the amount of money that you have to lose. So depending on how much money you have to lose and, and your strategy and your your psyche, if you're not running an algo, will depend on which two or which one of those two you would like to do as trading. So if if you don't want a lot of volatility or you can't stomach a lot of volatility, you can take a lot of losers, small losers, and and wait for that big winner to come to make up for your losers and still be profitable. Or if you can stomach the big swings, but you can't take the psychology of losing a lot. Maybe you want a high probability setup and you win um, more often, but you, when losers do come, they're a little bigger and you have a bigger drawdown. So when you're thinking of creating a strategy, you really have those two camps to pick from uh, typically. And like I said, you can't have, you know, I'm sure there's people out there that have high win rates and they have big risk to reward profiles. But for the most part, that's usually how probability and odds work uh, in markets uh, from a 10,000 foot view. So keep that in mind when you're developing your strategies, as well as uh, keeping them simple and uh, making sure that they would work in a longer period of time. Now, going to
the topic of oh, uh, buyers are trapped here, sellers are trapped here, or this is going to happen. That does drive me crazy as well. And one thing I'll say is with my trading strategy, I do use uh, uh, charts. Um, at the same time, my strategy is simple, and I don't need to see with a microscope like the Canadian futures trader said. I don't need to look at all the movement in the market because my, my strategy is really uh, simple, and it's a trend-based strategy. And um, it's simple. It, it it's uh, been back tested, and there's a lot of math that has went involved in the risk analysis of the trading strategy more than actually when it enters and exits. And you can have good entries and exits, but that doesn't mean that you'll be profitable. There's a lot of risk management and knowing when to get out and when to get in, and your position sizing that has more to do with your success than actually when you get in and when you get out. Um, and I know that you were talking about the trade that the Ox made and he got out at a sooner time than you did. Um, and, and I will say, I don't know that specific. You do need to trade what's in front of you and not necessarily what's in the past. Now, the way I use charts is not necessarily looking at what happened hours ago, I am looking at what's happening right now, but I need that closing signal um, as kind of like the line in the sand, like uh, the interfluctuations of the chart. I don't really care about, but once it closes uh, at a specific time, then that's when I uh, execute my trade. So I'm still in the, the real time, like what's happening now camp, but I still use a, a chart overlay uh, to predict trend lines. And my setup is more on a statistical basis, uh, not on thoughts and feelings and necessarily on indicators. But I will agree with Ox is that indicators isn't uh, a bad, uh, you know, all bad thing. And I do think there's a lot of benefits from trading indicators as in uh, with algo specifically. And this is whether you create an, um, an indicator yourself or you're using something that's already made is the indicators are going to be more consistent and they're black and white. So you can have a algo trade indicator uh, because it's a black and white scenario uh, versus a uh, more discretionary scenario. So that's basically my comments on the subject and a couple other thoughts there. Uh, I will say, don't worry about talking too long. Get your point out. Um, I don't think anyone's in too big of a rush Canadian futures trader. So, you know, whatever you have to say, uh, don't worry about it. Take your time and, uh, and explain it, and I'll turn it back over to you. Thank you, sir. All right. I made a few notes. Nothing adversarial, if anything, agreement. Um... I have a few comments, and then I have something that I hope, if anything, will be uh, useful to people, uh, whether they're new to the market or just whatever. Um, so first things first, um, very, very quick, just this, I'm hearkening back 15 minutes ago, Ox mentioned, yeah, a lot of that terminology jargon came, and I agree, came from uh, GameStop Squeeze, AMC, all that nonsense. Um, that's really when a lot of, yeah, people are like, every, everything is a short squeeze now. Like it's, it's stupid. Um, that's an entire discussion. It depends on how much you want to get into that. It sounds like all three of us hate the jargon stuff. Um, I particularly will go on the record as like hundred percent hate it. I feel like people use it as a crutch to look smart. 
Um, and I will specifically like throw out even like five or six things people love to throw around. Shorts are trapped, longs are trapped, uh, consolidation, iceberg orders. Um, I feel like there's one more that I'm missing, but whatever. And it's like, it's fine. Like if, like if that's what's happening, I'm not saying these things don't happen, but I'm saying like, it's one thing to just sit there and comment on it. It's like, Hey, what are you going to do about it? Like, what are you actually trading then? Like, Oh, shorts are trapped. Somebody today, I'm going to like, I'm not, I won't name names and I'll say, I forget who specifically said it, but they said, um, Oh, shorts are trapped from their positions last or shorts from last week are unwinding their positions because they're trapped. Some, something to that effect. It's like, how do you know? Like, how do you know? Do you actually have some report that like came across your desk that said, oh, the, uh, John Doe in Illinois has a short position from last week that he's unwinding? No, you have no damn idea what the hell you're talking about. So like... <laughs> You don't know. Like the market's doing one of two things. It's going up or it's going down. And you're trying to like paint a story on it that may or may not be true to look smart. Like that's honestly what I feel like half these people do. They're egomaniacs who want to like act like they're smart and they know what they're talking about and they don't. So anyways, I'll I'll simmer down. Um Ox asked if I think I would you know, kind of know what I'm doing with the depth of market if I hadn't started out on charts? That's a good question. Honestly, I don't know. Um, I, I lean towards, uh, I lean towards yes, but not trying to be again, like an egomaniac, like I just talked about, but more just so like, I can't, I don't have a good way of quantifying or explaining how much the depth of market makes way more sense to me than a chart. And it's not like I'm stupid and I don't understand a chart. It's just like the action happening right now on a depth of market, 100%. It's like, uh, you know, one of those movies where like the numbers are just flying through someone's eyes. Like, it's just like, it just makes sense. Like I just, it makes sense to me. I get why it wouldn't make sense to everyone. So, I mean, and this kind of leads me to, so I don't know if like having not looked at a chart to start, it's hard to avoid a chart. It's like, you know, like any trader is going to have seen a chart, like you can't avoid them. So that's a hard one. I don't know. I want to say yes, but I, I don't know. And maybe going through that experience of looking at charts and looking at indicators and being like, this, this makes no sense to me is what kept me searching for something that did make sense to me if that if that makes sense um the one thing i want to say um that hopefully will be useful to you or to anyone who happens to be listening to this um and i've, I've said this before but the futures market is kind of like a cool thing because we've got you know a ton of different products we can trade they all move differently um, on top of that, we have a ton of different methods we can use to trade charts, indicators, pick your indicator, you know, choose, build your algo, trade your depth of market, use your volume profile. Like there's so many different ways to trade on top, multiplied by all the products we can trade. Really, it's cool in the sense that like we can each find our own way. Like I am good at depth of market on the treasuries. I would suck at trading NQ. I wouldn't know what to do. I'd be as good as the newbie coming in. You know, you guys are doing the algo thing. And like, I think that's cool. Like, I'm not saying it sucks. Like, I know I like to like, you know, like 
kind of go like adversarial role a lot of times but honestly it is cool that like we can each find our own way and they're 100 percent different but they all work for each of us like and i think that's really where i worry a little bit about i don't worry like i believe me i don't lose any sleep but um you know a new trader coming in they have so many choices are they actually going to find the one that works for them out of the gate probably not but do they have the um like the perspective or the uh the ambition to go find the one that works for them i hope they do but i feel like a lot of people maybe go astray and then try to convince themselves that they're on the right path when maybe they're not i don't know but anyways um i would encourage people always keep seeking if what's work what you're doing now isn't working for you there's lots of other ways to do it and i'm going to encourage people to go step beyond i kind of mentioned this earlier and throwing people under the bus but like understand like if you want to be a futures trader go beyond finding uh an algo or finding a indicator or finding like go beyond trading learn more understand the products you're using under if you're gonna trade the fucking ema 20 crosses the 50 whatever that's cool but like go figure out and understand what that actually means like understand what that actually means like like why is that a buy signal like the fact that i know it's a buy signal like you should know it's a buy signal and you should understand like what those lines actually mean and understand your products like i said earlier there's all these new people are like oh i'm gonna trade the ultra bond because cft trades the ultra bond he's pretty good at it so there's money to be made like do you even know what the ultra bond is? Like uh, how many times have I seen in the last month people say, what's UB? Like they don't even know what the ultra bond is. And like as a product, let alone what it actually is. Like I would love for somebody to explain to me that it's a 30 year treasury note that's dated 25 uh, to 29 years. Like, like I know that stuff doesn't matter like for trading, but I think it matters a lot. Like you have to, if you really want to make futures trading your career, you want to do this for a living, get in there and stop being lazy. Like I, it's just, I mean, I know, I don't even think that's tough love. I think that's like, well, I do think it's tough love, but I think it's like, come on, like get in the game, like stop trying to be surface level and make a quick buck. Understand the product, understand the signals you're using, understand the algo you're using. Sorry if you can hear sirens in the back. I live in a busy metropolitan area. Um, understand market hours. That's another thing that annoys the hell out of me. How many times is it a holiday? People don't know if they can trade. There's a, there's a website. It's called cmegroup.com that completely regulates the futures market. If you can't like go to a website and figure this stuff out for yourself, like, come on. Like, I just want people to hold themselves to a higher standard, man. I think that's like the maybe that like summarizes every my problem with everything is like i really wish people would put in the work and hold themselves to a higher standard um when it comes to futures trading so <laughs> on that note yeah. as maybe animated as it seems i do feel like there is a lot to be gained from putting in the hard work and i've said this a million times and that's why ox is successful and it's why john burrell is successful and it's why i'm successful we put in the work and we're always thinking and we're always working on whatever it is our niche in, and we're diving in and we just want to be better so aspire to be better people and on that note i turn it over to ox hell yeah that siren you heard was CFT calling the cops to go getting some kids off his lawn. Uh, no. Uh, 
No, I, I really actually agree with most of what uh, CFT said there. I, I understand what he's saying. You know, it, it does. People do need to be kind, need to take trading as more than just making money. If they want it, want to make it a career, then they need to learn the stuff about it. I totally agree with them there. I mean, you wouldn't go into any other job and just expect to perform the task and, and hand it money and then that's it. You know about the company, you know about you know what you're doing and why you're doing it. So why is this just, oh, I'm going to take a trade and hand me money? So no, I, I do agree with him there. Um, though I will say that the CME website for the holiday stuff, first time I looked at it, it was very confusing. I'm like... These markets are closed here, but they're open here. And why is it open? Why are they considered a holiday, but they're only really closed for three hours? And I don't know. It, it is kind of confusing. So for the holidays, I do get it. But it's the people that ask every holiday. That's that's the ones that get me. It's like, weren't you here for the last year and ask the same question Memorial Day and Labor Day and whatever other holidays? It's yeah. But yeah. Uh, that's, you know, CFT about said it all. I'm not even sure there was anything really to debate and all that. Um, you know, he's right. Uh, I don't think I have anything else to add there. Yes, yeah, sounds good, guys. I, this has been a really good conversation. Um, I think it, it started off super divided. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, we did end up on a lot of good points that and principles that we both uh, or all three agree on. Um, if anyone listening right now would like to ask any questions, you can tap the heart and click the hand and I will uh, add you as a speaker if you want to ask anybody any specific questions. Something I want to point on before we go to questions, so get them ready if you have them live, is uh, so Top Step, they have a um, a few traders or mentors or whatever they're called on their YouTube channel. And although I think Top Step is a, a great opportunity as Earn to Trade or um, Apex, uh, Tick Tick, uh, U Profit, any of these prop, the main prop firms that you can find on the Canadian Futures Traders website. Uh, you can follow him there, and you can also follow the Mighty Ox. Uh, but on his website, he'll have a bunch of the main prop firms that you can look at. Although Top Step is a great opportunity for people trying to get in the space and get funding if they don't have a lot of money and, and to be able to start their career in this, uh, there's a few talking heads on Top Step's media production side, I guess you would call it. And they talk a lot about sellers are trapped here and this is here and uh, the volume profile has these people here. And, and it goes back to what the Canadian futures trader says is, you know, how in the hell do they know that? You know, exactly what he said. And th those things are aggravating because once you do uh, start to get success in this industry, and you've been around for a while, it is, there's so much bullshit. And it, and it does get tiring to hear after a while because you're hearing these people say this stuff. And then even though they do say it to Canadian futures traders point, what are you gonna do with that? I mean, it only matters if we're gonna take a trade. So everything else we're talking about, if it doesn't consist of 
this and this is happening, therefore I'm taking a trade, then there's no reason to talk about it or go on these long these long conversations about buyers and sellers are trapped or or um, th- these positions are unloading because you don't know that and if you do I would like to know how and where you're getting that information um, but two is if you're not going to use that for anything then what I mean what, what are we talking about it's nothing that's actually actionable it's like well you're just talking about a bunch of stuff that you think uh, is happening and so what are you doing with those? with those things so definitely something i don't understand it does get on my nerves uh quite a bit as well um but i don't have anything else to add on those topics uh do you we'll go through the round one more time i don't see anyone have their hand up for questioning so i'm guessing everyone is uh, good on the questions but uh, you're still uh, feel free to put one up there and we'll get you in uh, if you do have one but um, i guess closing statement from the canadian future trader and then the mighty ox and then we'll wrap this thing up and get to the uh, weekend boys um, man, I don't think I that little speech I gave was come on, that was it, man. I don't have much else I can give to that. I encourage people to enjoy their. I will, okay, I will actually. There's more to life than trading. I'm gonna, and this isn't necessarily another point for debate. I mean, it can be if you want, but I see people like literally like 30 minutes before the close still talking about, oh, looking for a long hair, whatever, shit. like it's just stupid. like what the hell are you doing? Like, why are people so addicted to trading? Like from the opening minute to the closing minute on a Friday, like legitimately, do you think anyone with any like trading, any size, anyone that actually matters is trading on a Friday at, you know, three fifty PM Eastern. Like, no, they aren't like dumb. Um, sorry. Like if that's you, yeah, I think it's dumb. I think it's stupid. The, um, I don't even trade Fridays again in my own little world, trading the treasuries. They're kind of slow on Fridays. Not going to like, it's just not worth the, you know, as the saying, like the juice isn't worth the squeeze, that type of thing. Like, I feel like people would be better served. Again, this is kind of like a new topic that you probably didn't want to introduce, but like people would be better served. And again, doesn't apply to algo traders, all that, but like trade like when the market is prime and like get your hours in get your trades in and be done like there's more to life than trading that's my ultimate point so that kind of leads us into the weekend one of the smartest things i did two of the smartest things i ever did i mentioned one earlier if you can get your PL off your screen trade without PL, trade your system trade your algo trade your dom whatever just thinking ticks not in terms of dollars it really does make a huge difference two try to like break away from the mentality that you have to trade like day in day out every day like you're missing opportunity if you're not trading like it's bogus like um i mean again i can only speak for the treasuries but like like the prime time 8 a.m to noon and done like that's it like why spin my wheels like all the rest of the days and the evenings when it's like the money's made in the morning like it's done um I think that's all I've got, John. I don't want to drag on, but uh, I wish everybody, I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to direct everyone to Mighty Ox's YouTube channel. If you want to see chart trading, you want to see uh, indicators, and I'm not being funny. I'm serious. Like, uh, Mighty, I will give full credit to Mighty Ox. Mighty Ox is on there fucking streaming the mornings, the evenings. He's putting in the work. I know I just went on a tirade about how stupid to trade all the time, but. The difference is Mighty Ox is like putting on a clinic. He's showing people what he's doing. He's talking through his trades. He's not calling out nonsense. He's not saying, you know, resistance this, support level that, blah, blah, blah. No, it's like legit. Like I watch 
like here's a, and a testament to Mighty Ox's channel. I hate charts and micros. I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to spice it up again. And I will still watch Mighty Ox trade, even though he trades charts and occasionally micros. Goes against everything I stand for, but I will still watch Mighty Ox because I think he provides a valuable um, kind of service to people. And I think it's good for somebody to be out there. John Burrell, the great John Burrell, talked about how Top Step, yeah, has some talking heads. Um, I'll stop short of like calling out names. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of nonsense out there in general in the trading world. So encourage people beyond all the stuff I mentioned earlier to kind of find their own way, be skeptical of information they find out there, be skeptical of anyone selling anything. I don't think any three of us sell anything. That's why I always laugh when people like go into me, like I don't sell anything like dude. So, um, that's another pet peeve of mine, but, um, we will leave it at that. Everybody have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy the weekend and think to yourself, how can I get better at trading? What little thing am I going to do this next week to get better at trading and make my life better? Mighty Ox, I turn it over to you. Well, thank you, CFT. Thank you for that great plug. I appreciate that. Yeah, I do trade a lot. I, you know, I trade both days and evenings, but I actually started the evening stream. So first of all, I just want to say, that this week I had five green evenings and then gave back during the day, each day. Perfect five green evenings. One, one evening was up $600. It was all several $100 in the green each night. And each day I gave back during the day. So it was the exact opposite of normal. But, uh, you know, I do think that it is important to show that there can be profitability in the evenings because some people that might want to get into this work nine to fives that don't have access to a computer they can trade from or a boss that's not going to allow them to trade so there's nothing wrong with trading evenings but i do agree people shouldn't you know live their whole life for trading you know i always think it's sad when i see these people that are saying i hate weekends because the market's closed it's like they're going to burn out even if they're a successful trader they're going to burn out if anyone gets that addicted to something they're gonna burn out either it's gonna you know they're gonna burn out mentally and it's gonna end up they're gonna end up blowing up accounts because they they don't realize they're they're burning out mentally so yeah definitely you know find some other outlet around trading even if you enjoy it even if it's a you know such a huge passion that you do want to trade most of the day you know it's fine but at least you know give yourself a break on the weekends and clear your mind and, and get fresh for the next week don't just keep obsessing because the market's closed you know and be counting down until sunday at six o'clock or whatever but yeah um that's about all i have hope everyone has a great weekend and this has been fun i've enjoyed it and uh thank you john for having us both on yeah i really appreciate you guys coming on and talking about futures trading charts technical analysis uh, trading p different position sizing the different talking heads uh, in the industry um, real quick um, canadian futures trader where is the best place to find your content and any updates uh, about you and then um, ox what's the best places to find your content um, for me, it's my website, 100% CanadianFuturesTrader.ca. If you go to .com, congratulations, it will forward to .ca. Um, there in my YouTube channel, but ultimately, like my site is where you're going to find like articles. 
um, all the deals on the trader valuations and uh, everything else is. Uh, I mean, I occasionally post to social media like Twitter and Instagram and stuff, but really. If you want the goods, go to my website, CanadianFuturesTrader.ca. Uh, for me, uh, I haven't gotten the ambition to actually make a website yet. So for me, it's mainly my YouTube channel, which is YouTube.com slash C slash Mighty Ox Trading. I do also have a Twitter, where that's the social media I'm most active on. It's also at Mighty Ox Trading. So those are the two places that you can best find me. Sounds good. Um, really appreciate you guys coming on uh, the Just Swinging It podcast. We do live podcasts on Tuesdays and on Fridays on Twitter. We don't do every Friday, but uh, certain circumstances where we might find a good conversation to have to wrap up your week with. Uh, we'll have it on Fridays. This is kind of like a little bonus episode. We didn't have a, fr uh, a Tuesday edition this week. We actually skipped this week uh, for our regular uh, content. But if you haven't checked out the Just Swinging It podcast, we've had um, uh, from investors to startup companies, anything that's related to financial markets or business-related uh, content, uh, we talk about it here on the Just Swinging It podcast. We've recently been going live on Twitter Spaces, so we can have fan interactment and, and questions if we have anyone that's uh, going live. That's something we just started. We've had a few people pass through uh, today, so I really appreciate everyone listening live. And uh, for all the people that aren't able to listen live, you can listen to anywhere you get podcasts. Um, I typically edit this and put it up uh, the same day, but it takes a couple of days for it to come out on the the most uh, prominent uh, uh, podcast places. So uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you can listen to the podcast episodes there. Uh, if you want to get to it faster, you can go to Anchor. I think it's anchor.fm. Um, you can find the Just Swinging It uh, in our uh, bio here on Twitter. You can go there and listen to our previous episodes. We've had um, the Canadian Futures Trader on several times as well as the Mighty Ox. So if you want to hear their interview to get more information about who they are and what they trade and more specific to them, you can check out previous episodes through our catalog. Uh, the Canadian Futures Trader, uh, we had him um, a few months ago. He's the number one episode we've had so far, actually. Um, so uh, that's really cool to, to see um, how how much success uh, he's had really shows. He, he, he drew, drove a lot of people over from his website and has a lot of great material on there um, as far as educational stuff go. And Mighty Ox does a really great job of entertaining people on his live streams on YouTube and really shows his process of uh, getting better every single day trading in the futures market. Uh, but once again, um, a Canadian futures trader said this, uh, none of us sell anything. Um, we are offering free educational services uh, as an entertainment. Uh, and what we do, our podcast uh, talks about uh, 
trading across all time frames, not just day trading. We do day trading, swing trading, and investment. Uh, you can catch our breakdown of markets on our Tuesday episode. But yeah, thank you so much for everyone uh, joining. Uh, thank you guys for coming on have this great debate and talk. Um, we ended up in um, a very like-minded space, which is nice to see, and we kept this uh, very friendly. But it was a great conversation, some really good points, and hopefully everyone learned something, and it'll allow you to expand your thought process on something with some of the topics that we discussed and some of the different perspectives that we might not have had going into this conversation. So thank you guys one more time uh, for coming on the show today. Have a great weekend. And let's get back to trading on Monday. The contents of this week's episode of the Just Swinging It podcast are for educational and entertainment purposes only. All persons are only given their opinions and are not to be considered financial advice. The Just Swingin' It podcast isn't responsible for any financial actions you may take based on the conversations held on this show.